Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back to time 612. Let's go to line number three and talk with Sandra in Hercules. Sandra in Hercules on line number three. Are you there, Sandra? Yes, I am. Great. What's your question, comment, or observation? Did you did you hear our um, our topic today? Yes, I did. Good. And I really appreciate the previous caller just before break, as I'm a widow, although it's okay. a little further down the line, six years. I heard you speak at Valley Bible Church a couple years ago, have been praying for you ever since, and Thank really you. respect the ministry. Thank you. Uh, I'm not particularly political. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, all I... I do like your premise, uh-huh. half full and half empty, Yeah, because a lot of, um, actually we're all full, because there's always hope. We always have the hope of Christ within us mm-hmm. to fill us 100%. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yet, the things that um, in the political, in the United States, in the world, that we have held dear and counted on mm-hmm. seem to be crumbling mm-hmm. things like bribes and um, your word is your bond and things that um, are kind of a foundation for the culture and it, it's really dismaying. So I'm holding stronger mm-hmm. to the faith because um, it seems to be needed but and prayer because prayer changes things. Prayer in the Bible turning from a ways that aren't of of Christ that has turned civilizations around. So there's there is hope. Yep. But the half empty part is it is getting further and further from seeming to be um, rescued or saved. So and and um, Dr. Martin Luther King's quotes, as I was reading some of them today, seem even more meaningful now than they did. And I was alive back then, absolutely, uh, and witnessed it firsthand. And some of the quotes seem even more meaningful now. And so um, I'm I'm almost wishing for a revival of of, um, of some of his his uh, philosophies and teachings. Listen, I I think that what you stated is a good summation of a healthy, balanced Christian uh, view on our topic, Sandra, in this regard, that um, for the believer, and and I didn't want to put words in their mouth because I love to actually interact with people and the lines are full now, which is great. The believer has to assess all the troubles in his life, in her life, in our lives surrounding us over against all of the blessings that are with us and in us in Christ and balance out uh, how we respond to them relative to the great and precious promises that are ours in Jesus Christ. And when we cannot find in ourselves 
that level of optimism that constitutes the cup being filled to the degree that God is faithful, no matter what the season is. When we cannot find that optimism, uh, we really now have to go back and do some self-evaluation because we have been, been impacted by a war that has distracted us from a, a, a kind of primary focus that all believers are obligated to walk in in order that we can make an impact into our world. It sounds like you're still spiritually healthy in spite of your widowhood within six years, Sandra is not that long. So uh, you are, uh, you are a little ahead of my, my brother Renee. uh, But, but that, that is a a battle that, that requires your continued trust in God uh, as well. So listen, thank you for the contribution. It will help uh, people who are afraid to get on the phone and call. It's one of the phobias that people have. So, so thank you. And bless VB, uh, VBC because I'll be with them in a couple months with the men huddling again, making a bunch of noise and asking God to help us. Uh, so keep listening because the surprise is coming up in about 15 minutes. Uh, Sandra, you, 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 you do want to listen. Bless you. Um, let me go to line number uh, two quickly. Line number three and talk with Jermaine. Jermaine, are you there? Uh, are you there, my brother? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah. What's your question, comments, or thoughts on our topic tonight? Well, yeah, I just happened to turn on the radio. I heard you mention the, uh, the Vietnam documentary, which, which I happen to be watching. And, okay. And I uh, found, found it very compelling. Did you, the, the one that I saw uh, Sunday night, you saw it? Yeah, I guess it's a series. Yeah. I usually don't watch that much TV, but yeah, yeah. I, I happened to see that one and I found myself kind of glued to it. So Me too. Me too. Me too. I mean, so 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 do you understand the the basic uh, did, so you didn't hear our opening monologue? I only heard bits and pieces, but I did not hear it all day. So so I'm asking the question, in your view of things, given the world that you live in at large and your world locally and its impact on you, when you kind of think about the civil rights movement and MLK, uh, holidays allow us to revisit that. When you look at where we are now compared to where we were then, is the cup half empty or is the cup half full? Or is it both for you? Do you walk in a pessimism that's rooted in realities that would justify that kind of view? Or do you walk in an optimism that's rooted in realities that would justify that view? How would you say uh, your world is impacting Jermaine up to this point? Well, I guess that kind of has to do with why I originally called it. It kind of intertwines with the topic I there are times where I can go on on both sides of the fence, but right, 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 I think right, ultimately, right. yeah, just because you see things and you you almost have no choice but to be pessimistic, right? Uh, including the war documentary, you see people uh, become just animalistic, absolutely. At times, but optimistic only because I know ultimately I I get it. I feel like uh, you know ultimately we see all these things and they lead me to Christ. I really truly see that that's the only answer for our world. Uh, mm. No matter what our best laid efforts are mm-hmm. to have peace to our own ways, mm-hmm. we, we've tried diplomacy, mm-hmm. we've tried uh, superiority, it never works. Mm-hmm. It just works for a little bit, and it, we go right back to doing what humans do, and we mess it up. So right, right. it just fuels me to to really reinforce in my own family and my life and try to do the best I can as an example to point people towards Christ, because that's, that's the, ultimately the only thing. That gives me hope and optimism mm, for, mm, for the rest of my life, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, and I am especially, you know, thankful for the work that's done during the civil rights movement. 
I do, however, recognize that some people have taken advantage of that. And to me, even even worse is some people have not taken advantage of the freedoms we've had to do the right things. And they've, if anything, they've, they've kind of taken us a little bit backwards at times. I see some of the young people I work with, and I just kind of shake my head, but I keep going. And again, point them towards Christ. Agreed. Agreed. Agree. Did you have another contribution before I let you go? Um, I guess a real quick question: What, what would be the Christian's place in in war? Because I know it's not an easy answer, and mm-hmm. it's kind of uh, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of a gray area. Because some mm-hmm. people say we shouldn't participate at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't always agree with that because there are times where you will be forced; you won't have a choice. Absolutely. Time, but, um, Absolutely. I guess. I guess I don't know if it's it's a little bit too late to ask that question maybe for another day but what would that vietnam series really made me think like what would be a christian's place in war because like i said there are times where you won't have any other choice but to decide to either die or defend yourself or your family agreed two things i'm going to just state and now i'm going to let you go i got to take a break um we do need a break before 6 30 right okay Okay, good. Uh, we'll break at 6.25, and then uh, I'll be able to come back at six six uh, 6.30. Okay, because I got two callers I want to talk to, uh, and one's on the line. Uh, um, I would say this to everyone, and I, I talked about this maybe a couple weeks ago, if not last week. Um, <clears throat> my overall assessment of war in this world is that it is largely unjust, largely unjust. And I know people who have deep roots in patriotism and things of that nature would push back on what I'm saying. But as a Christian, the notion that somehow you would advance policies and advance legislation, advance goals and advance morals and advance ethics through the power of the sword and the power of the state and the power of the government is patently unbiblical, patently unbiblical. And and, and, and church history ought to be enough for us to know that whenever the church moved into a cahoots, a, a conflation, a integration, a syncretism with politics, the church has always lost its privilege to be priestly and prophetic and therefore impact the culture for Christ and transform it substantially and uh, and authentically into the image of God's dear son, meaning the kingdom of God is spiritual in its essence and then it's moral and ethical in its expression. And you can never substitute the preaching of the gospel the evangelical, apologetic, devotional, uh, uh, lifestyle evangelism, lifestyle apologetics, the living epistles written and known on the hearts of all men uh, as the means of a transformative impact in culture for uh, let's get up into the presidency, let's become governors, let's become lawyers, all that. I know that's a post, uh, post-millennial view, and I understand the optimism of post-millennialism, but the problem, ladies and gentlemen, is history has already proven that that doesn't work for the church. And I love the way that Dan put it. Dan made it very plain. Dan said the advancements that we are having today, that we're enjoying today, and that's why for me the cup is half full and empty. The advancements that we're having today is because there was a Christian element during the civil rights movement that was willing to suffer for transformation to take place. There was an ethic, a orthopraxy on the part of the uh, Christian contribution during that time that was willing to suffer 
See, that's more like the cross, more like Christ, more like the Savior. It was not a matter of strategically moving your way up the ladder and becoming uh, a king in this world, a senator, a governor, a powerful uh, broker of politics. You can use Israel all you want to. That kingdom paradigm does not exist today. Christ made it clear my kingdom is not of this world or else my kingdom, my people would fight. By the way, my elite brothers who had the right and privilege by providence and sovereignty to be in the mix of politics among the uh, rulers of the world, Daniel and Mishael and Hananiah and Azariah and Nehemiah and Esther and a few others, Ezra, didn't change the world by being in politics in Persia or in Babylon. They didn't change the world. Come on now. But they were able to sustain a line of preservation for God's elect who were suffering in the world. That's how that works. Now, there is a just war theory that we've been working through ever since our Presbyterian brethren took up the mantle in the Reformation. And I don't have time to talk about it. I do believe in a just war. Sometimes, you know, we have to lay down our lives for what's right. That don't happen too much in our world. I'm going to take a break here in a moment. When I come back, I'll finish my conversation with uh, John Yvette. And then I got a special guest I want to chat and chop it up with um, where some of you guys will know know him. And a lot of you guys will know him. I'm looking forward to spending time there. Uh, going to take a break, pay some bills. John Yvette, you just hold on for a moment. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. I'm talking to a friend on line number two. Uh, John Yvette, are you there? I am. How long have you been listening to this program today? Um, Probably around six o'clock. Okay. So you don't really know what we were talking about in the first hour. Well, I know you were talking about optimism and pessimism, and, and I know I'm a total optimist. So Okay. on We are dealing with a context. I want you to answer that question for me uh, just because, you know, you're on, on the line. We're dealing with the context of... Um, uh, of where we are today in the year 2020. And this is relevant to what you and I are about to talk about as well, because I okay. actually spoke about it when I did my opening monologue about where we are since the civil rights movements, uh, movement of the 60s. And as we are acknowledging Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, uh, life today, uh, thinking about that era up to now and what advancements we have made and what challenges we still uh, are g- engaged in in terms of just a, a fight uh, culturally, a fight uh, societally, a fight uh, in terms of humanity uh, relative to who we are as believers. Uh, uh, I asked the question whether or not uh, has the world at large and has the world locally impacted uh, you, us, at a level that creates within one a pessimism based upon real factors or an optimism based upon real factors. How has your world, uh, you know, how has your world from that time to now, uh, doesn't matter if you're 19 years old, and that's, you know, at at Grace, you guys only get to be 19. Our women only get to be 19 at Grace. We know the maximum age of our sisters at Grace is 19. So how, how has that, how do you feel and what do you think and how has it impacted you, the struggle from our parents' era 
up to now relative to optimism and pessimism? And then, you know, let that be a segue into what we want to talk about in terms of your engaging in the battle particularly. Well, earlier you were talking about, um, uh, like, Queen Esther and so forth and how, you know, they had an impact on society. And, um, you know, and I, I feel that although we can't, we can't find resolutions to all the problems as human beings. Mm -hmm. I do feel optimistic as far as the outcome for, you know, our future. Um, And, you know, I just feel it's a journey. It's a struggle that we have to endure. Mm -hmm. Uh, But God already has a conclusion that I'm well aware of. And and I look forward to that. Yeah. In relation, so in relation, well, okay, so I'm I'm gonna anchor it down a little bit more because you become the uh, proxy student of all the thousand people that are out there. So I'm sorry, that's just the way it goes. You're in class today, (laughs) (laughs) so I'm gonna tie it down to what I call. Um, a an epistemological framework, a worldview that you have, yours is well-rooted in the Bible. I know a little bit about you to know that. It's well-rooted in the Bible, but our epistemology, our our worldview, Jonavette, has to have pragmatic responses and application in real time as an expression of our faith and belief and our commitments to a God who sovereignly governs all these things. And so when you speak to the optimism of it, what are the critical and tangible um, evidences that you are optimistic about the future? Give me the proof relative to where you are now and what you're up to. Um, well, I, I will say, um, like, for example, in, in I know in Hayward Unified School District, we've been studying, you know, um, how to engage in culturally relevant teaching and so forth, and right. how we build, we build relationships and recognizing implicit biases that exist. So right. it's that, uh, that focus on, you know, the problems that do exist and how do we work to overcome mm-hmm. and recognize that they do mm-hmm. exist, recognize mm-hmm. the reality of mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Powerful. Listen, see, I want to actually take a whole hour with you because I could take that point and frame it biblically and have us have a very healthy, healthy integration dialogue around the importance of teaching humanity how to think right and therefore act right relative to our responsibility towards one another, which you and I would not have the freedom to do this had it not been at least in part due to the civil rights movement. You know that. You you and I know that. So uh, pushing the 40s, 50s, and 60s and all of its uh, morass up to the present, and and you and I having the the spade and the hoe and the shovel and and all of the tools to cultivate a, another generation of young people in a way in which you and I were not cultivated. I, I wish you could have heard my first caller, Dan, affirm that young white guy, a little bit younger than me. Uh, you know, you're 19, so he's a little bit younger than me, who grew up in that culture, and he was telling me how he was told by every. He could be the president. Now, me and Dan been going back for a long time, Genevieve, and he knows I'm African-American. And uh, he he asked me, did, now, PJ, did you, did anybody tell you you could be president? And the answer is no. Nobody told me I could be president in the 60s. I live with the vulnerability uh, of, of uh, just trying to survive 
uh, a, an environment that emotionally, spiritually, and socially was uh, inherently a disadvantage for me. So where you and I are today, you know, move it fast forward 50 years plus here. You and I are talking about impacting our kids at the educational level uh, in a, a deeply and profoundly important area of of uh, conscientious awareness of, uh, of of human responsibility, of noble, virtuous insights into uh, maladies and difficulties that are intrinsic to us that have been taught or are inherent in order to to overcome some of the things that were the foundational causes of the problems that our forefathers had uh, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. Uh, and I call that optimism. Yes. I call it optimism. I, I, I heard a little bit of Dan, and I have to say I wasn't told I could be president of the United States, but I was told I could be a lawyer or doctor or what have you. Yeah, see, that's good. Yeah. Bless you, Gus. See, you didn't grow up yeah. in the hood with me. See, I got all kind I of people. I grew- <laughs> oh, see, I'm, I'm messing with you. I know that I could tell you grew up in the hood. But you know what? I, 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 I too, I, 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 somewhere along the lines, it became clear, even in a struggle like that, that we could do better. And that is what we want to impose upon our young people today by our practical participation. We've got dozens and dozens of teachers and helpers. What I want to do in the future with you is have you uh, come back home. Tell me when, tell, okay, tell me what you're running for so our audience can know how to pray for you and support you. What are you running for? Oh, thank you. What an honor. I'm running for Alameda County Board of Education Area 5, and that covers um, Hayward, Union City, parts of Cherryland, and parts of the southern portion of Fairview. Right. Um, the um, article that you sent me uh, that gave a very good review of, of the of the race. What is that article? So I can refer that to people to, to look up now. Uh, that's in East Bay Times. East Bay Times. And it's, it's the editorial of Dan Born, Bornstein. Yep, Dan so Bornstein. I, yep. Yes, yes. And he... And, and he um, I'm Go sorry. ahead. And he spoke about the race that's coming that will be voted on when? March what? March 3rd. March 3rd. 2020. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so we, we really need everyone to come out and vote because it, this is a... Uh, uh, this is going to be a tough race, and we want the best person uh, in the office that's going to uh, serve our students. Absolutely. So what I want to do is actually have you back on, if you don't mind, um, somewhere mid-February, uh, so we can a- actually flesh out the significance of this race and and uh, get people who are in these districts to um, to respond and, and definitely, hopefully, favorably around this Um uh, again, you are running for Board of Supervisor in District 5, Area 5? No. Alameda County Board of Education. Okay, Alameda okay. County Board of Education. Alameda Area County five. Board of Education, Area 5. Area yeah. 5. We got a lot of people listening, and I know that they're aware of that. But is it all right for us to have a, a second conversation around this and kind of dig into some of the background and some of the experience you have and why uh, we need to vote for you? It would be my pleasure, Pastor. All right, good. Then thank you for the call. We got it kind of on the burner, and I will get with you on another date for us to actually take this topic up and see if we can change the world. <laughs> yes. In Jesus' name. In Bless Jesus you, girl. Name, Bless you. All right. Thank you. See you. <laughs>
Hey, how much time do I have for the break? I can, I can go all the way to the end? Uh, to the break? Okay, yeah. Well, let's take a break so I can come back and talk to my, my partner. All right. This, this is a Monday edition of Lifeline. You guys, hold on. We're going to pay some bills. Don't go anywhere. I got some really good news that I want to engage you on before we close out today's program. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are indeed back. The time 645, 15 well-spent minutes in front of us. And I have the honor of having my friend and colleague, Dr. Phil Howard, pastor of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. I know he's going to say emeritus, but I'll let him speak for himself. And uh, are you on the line with me, sir? Dr. Phil, are you on the line with me? Pastor Phil, did I lose you? I bet I lost him. If you want to, you can call me back. You can call me back. one 367 We probably did lose him. Well, I kind of want to just, I, I so looked forward to this 15 minutes of conversation with um, uh, Dr. Phil Howard. You guys know him. He has a, a wonderful uh, ministry that comes on, on early in the mornings. Um, uh, truth for life. I'm I'm almost sure that's what it is, and just his sound, practical, uh, theological richness, calling our attention to 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 love God and to walk in Christ in a vital and an impactful way in our culture. Uh, he's on the line with me. Wanted to share some news uh, with you. I'm almost now inclined to just uh, uh, let him do it, but I think that if I don't, y'all won't know. And it would be this. It would be basically that um, this coming Friday, he will start um, uh, utilizing the five to seven hour of lifeline to uh, speak into your lives. And um, maybe we'll be able to pick him back up. But I do want you to think about that. You get me on Mondays. Uh, you'll be able to get him on Fridays. The inimical, the inimical, uh, inimical of uh, Craig Roberts, who uh, who who actually mans this whole thing and has been doing it for decades. Um, I guess he's going to give up the seat on Fridays as well. Uh, we honor him for that. A pastor on Monday and a pastor on Friday. Thank you, Craig. <laughs> and Pastor Phil will be sitting seated, sitting in on the Attila DeHaan on this microphone in some form or another and to uh, bring insights into his sage experience of uh, at least 40 years in ministry, if not more, 45, uh, to talk to you and to encourage you and to, yeah, continue shepherding you uh, in your in your walk with God. Do we have him? All right. Can I hear your voice, young man? All right. Are you messing up over there? <laughs> you are messing up. All right. So there we go again. Right, well, let's see. We got 13 minutes for us to land this plane, Joel. So you do what you got to do. I'll just keep talking. By the way, you guys. I can't. I, what? All right. Yeah. I see you on the line. Pastor Phil, are you on the line? I'm on the line. It's not your fault, Pastor. Let me let you know. Okay. It's not okay. your fault. You, 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 well, ha- you know what? It's worth the call just to hear that. <laughs> Listen, I already gave a little heads up to everybody. So you and I have a good 12 minutes to um, to just talk about 
uh, this this grand opportunity of you of you being able to uh, speak into our lives for a couple of hours on the Lifeline program on Friday. Just 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 open up and 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 talk to me about it. Talk to us about that, man. Well, where we're wanting to go, uh, I figured I would lay the foundation by uh, what is a Christian worldview, and I want to just say. Uh, Genesis 1 through 3, I'm going to be lifting out mm-hmm. where we get our anthropology, where we come up with theism, where we come up with male femaleness, where we come up with uh, what's got us into this mess. Yeah. Uh, there's all these, and we as Bible believers, <clears throat> it's amazing how right we can be without being uh, the world's most educated. You know, my children accepted Christ at five, and now they're women in their 50s and 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, changed everything about their life, their behavior, their worldview, and it's right there in the Bible. Agreed. And uh, we're going to just share that and let people uh, take the. You know, I'm kind of like Jay Vernon McGee. I've been saved so long, I don't spend a lot of time defending the lion. I just unleash it. Sounds good to me. Sounds very well, good to do, me. You do the same thing. We're both trying to be lion tamers in a culture that's gone wild. I will tell you, however, you are right about that. And Spurgeon is one of my just patron saints, period. He got it right. Uh, just let it out. Let it loose. Let it do what it does. I um, And I think it's going to be a breath of fresh air for our audience to be able to simply listen to the sagacity uh, and, and, and wisdom of, of a veteran pastor teacher who is one of our own locals. That's going to be an honor as well. That's what I get, uh, uh, Pastor Phil, from people abroad who, 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 who listen to me. And it's always just refreshing when people say, hey, PJ, we listen to you on Mondays, man. We love what you do. And, and you know, I, and, and it's not so much about me as we actually need that voice of sanity reminding us of the fundamentals of the faith that they are still vital that they are still relevant that they are still important and and so i am just excited about uh about you coming on board and and taking up uh what we uh, we 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 presume upon the genesis narrative as the foundation of our existence and worldview but it needs to be said again in the uh unique way in which you do it well that's that's kind of you i just you know i love there's so many uh you know when you've lived in the bay area as many years as me being in, in my eighth decade of being here. Bless you. Of watching this place. Uh, I, I remember it was Vance Havner who said one time, he said, I'd rather know a few things yep. that are for sure yep. than a whole lot of things that just ain't true. <laughs> I so agree I, with him. So I agree. I just want to know a few things for sure. Mom and dad are still precious. Yep. Marriage is still wonderful. Yep. And if you can keep your sanity, having kids is wonderful. Yep. And, yep. Uh, you know, just some apple pie is still good. Yep. It doesn't need to be updated. That, agreed. And, uh, you know, God is uh, what he's done for you and I, that basically we both have the potential uh, for penitentiary, for hate, 
yeah. for the legal system yeah. because our neighborhoods didn't induce righteous behavior. No. Nope. But but somebody made a difference in us. And we're not ashamed to tell. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. And not and at I, all. And you know what? I hope we could share it in a gracious way because uh the kindness of God is what can turn the heart. And, I agree. Uh, I agree. He's I, a lot kinder than I ever have been. I, I have to pray to be kind. He's yeah. automatically kind. No doubt about it. You're kinder than me. I, I'm sorry. And that just has to be because you're older. And I'm looking forward to it one day. You know what? It's so really true. Listen, listen, Doug. And I'm looking forward to times when you and I can sit on the air like we're doing because that, too, is a privilege. Um, I had a program today that I, I picked up from the Civil Rights Movement. I don't know how much you caught of that because I, I know my calling is to take biblical matters and anchor them in social and political matters that really are relevant to our people today in our world and and God has given me a little grace to be able to do that but um, and therefore when uh, when when a pastor and just a fellow Christian as you and I are as you stated uh, uh, Phil that God has done something wonderful in our lives please understand believers want to hear that all the time we want to hear it all the time because the the marketplace of words and propaganda and media and and and, and social media oh, yes. is dominated by a narrative that doesn't come close to the pure grace of God that proceeds from his word by uh by humbled humbled with the d uh, uh redeemed men and women as 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 you and I are uh welcome to the Club, please, please just uh, <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. Be my prayer for you is that you would uh, have a, a wonderful providential week in and week out because I know the the strategy that's required, my brother, around being prepared for Monday. I come out of a Sunday that often is filled with not only the blessing of worship, but as you know, being a pastor for so many years, so many pastoral things that I have to train myself not to, uh, on a Monday morning, dealing with 15, 20 phone calls that are more emergency natured issues. I have to train myself to be able to strategically maintain enough energy and enough clarity to do this uh, Monday program, and for you, you're going to have to make sure that you have the um, the the grace to be able to consecrate that Friday time from five to seven, so that we can have you for a long time to come. By the way, having stated that, I already know thousands of people who who join me in our prayer team. They got you already. I'll be able to hear this in a couple of days. We're praying for Pastor Phil because we're glad that he's going to be on the air, just talking straight from the microphone, not the pulpit. <laughs> it is so kind of you. Well, I'm looking forward. I'm uh, I'm honored that uh, Craig would share this spot, and of course, uh, you've already paved the way to be local Bay Area pastors. Uh, and we're not. What can I say? We've not escaped the culture. We're not immune from it. Nope. We both are products of it. Yep. We grew up in it. Yep. And uh, I don't need people telling me about the hood. I didn't know I grew up in the hood until I was old enough to watch the news <laughs> and find out my neighborhood was the hood. I just thought it was home. It was you know, home. It was home. You know, you grow up in South Richmond. Uh, we used to say you couldn't run track at Richmond High unless you owned a ghetto blaster. <laughs> Because you had to run with something. Come on and now, so, see, you know, don't start. You know, see, 
I've, you've been running. I've been running. I, I played a lot of sports, and it was a consequence of growing up in the hood. You just had to know how to run. You know that. <laughs> you know that. Well, running home at night because you you were in the wrong neighborhood. It helped your your record. Very Absolutely, much. very much but so. In that time, sometimes you know, I, I went to school in the Midwest and. Some people considered it four missions by the time you got past the Sierra Nevada <laughs> range. You know, true, true. and I said, God actually, God actually saves people in the Bay Area, and uh, we're we're a witness that He does, and you are too. And we're looking forward to just sharing. Uh, you know, not being um, uh, what could I say, super sophisticated as much as could I just tell you the truth? Yeah. Yeah, you do well. The truth will set you free. You will. You will do well. I want to encourage you in just being you, because the one thing that I'm learning and it's humbling that God works best through His people when they are uh, willing to just be them. There's a way in which God works. Uh, uh, in his people when they are willing to be authentic and non-pretentious and, uh, and just say what they know, like you have done for so many years, you will, you will do well, my brother, you will do well. And I'll look forward down the line to be able to sit around a topic that might be important and us be able to dialogue about it with our, with, with our audience too. Um, I want to get over and visit you and see how you behave on Sunday and uh, see that you really are, Still are really preaching the word, and I know you are. <laughs> and I'm a happy, you know, you know, well, we, we, for sure, you're on that list for the year 2020, for for sure. Please understand that. Don't even worry about that. That is a uh, is already something that we're putting in the works because you are free for that, and I'm I'm thankful for that opportunity. Well, I'm so glad you're willing to take this call and and. Uh, be such a word of encouragement. Jesse. You are on Friday, you right? Much with you, being with you. You are you are on this Friday, right? That's right. Okay. Um, so it's Friday this Friday, you guys, from five to seven. Just remember, as you are preparing to uh, end your work week and enjoy uh, some of y'all a time of uh, Bible study with us out in Hayward. Be ready to to drive your cars uh, from San Jose and from Vallejo and different areas as you come in to uh, put it on Lifeline. And uh, our brother Phil will be encouraging you with that down to earth wisdom and prudence and experience of the grace of God in his life. Uh, and we're looking, we're all looking forward to it. Listen, I'm going to let you go because we're at the end of our time. And I will Thanks chat. so much, Pastor. I will Thanks chat so with much. you soon. Bless you now. We'll be with you later. God bless you. All right. See, there you go, you guys. Are we done? Are we done? Well, let the music come on up, man, so I can feel like I'm ready to get off this plane. <laughs> Anyhow, thank you guys for, uh, for, for chiming in today. Had a great topic. Um, really, really, I think we honored the fact that we have uh, had a lot of uh, advancement. Uh, we talk about progress, progress. Well, we got a lot more to go. OK, so uh, pray for me. I'll pray for you and uh, continue keeping your eyes on the only person worthy of being fixated and Id- idolized. And his name is Jesus, the savior of the world. We'll see you next time.
Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.